Grab your Bible. We're looking at Genesis chapter 35. For the last year or so, we've been in Genesis going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. I usually take a break in the summertime, but I decided not to take a break this summer because it's starting to actually get really good. The closer we get to, to Joseph, the story really picks up, picks up, and I don't want to change gears and do summer in the Psalms like I usually do, but we'll pick it up in Genesis chapter 35. If you remember... God comes to Jacob at the beginning of chapter 35. He reminds Jacob that he is to rise up and go to Bethel. That Jacob was coming out of the, the area where he was staying, but it took him eight to ten years to get to the house of Bethel. And God reminds Jacob and reminds his household where God has brought them. It's always good for God to remind you. And tonight I hope that God re he jars you and reminds you where He has brought you. Some of us forget yesterday's blessing, let alone 10 years ago's blessing. It's always good to revisit the old blessings that God has done in your life. If you must keep a journal or flip through a photo album, or you have to uh, keep a memento somewhere to remember where God has brought you, do so. It's always wonderful to revisit the blessings of God. And we'll see a scripture here tonight where God blesses J Jacob, and we'll see how he does that. And how can God bless you tonight? The same way. But we're picking up in Genesis chapter 35. And we're picking up in verse number 6. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel. Remember we said that Bethel means house. El Bethel is the, the house of God. There's nothing special about the house of God. There's nothing wonderful. We don't worship the facilities here. We don't worship the pews or the walls. If anything, if you're from Riverside, you know that this is just a building. You, you can have church in the fellowship hall, in the field. You can have it right there in your living room. The presence of God is felt everywhere. He's, uh, he's omnipresent. But we don't worship the house of God, El Bethel. We worship El Bethel El, the God of the house. Amen, somebody. I'm going to say some good stuff tonight. So if y'all say amen, it's very, it's very encouraging. And it's very wonderful to hear the, the saints of God say amen, preacher. Go ahead. But the El, El Bethel is the, the, the house, the God of the house. And He is the one we honor. Whenever I tell somebody I'm coming to visit, or my friends say they're coming to my house to see me, and I'll say, or my wife will say, the house is a mess, because I ain't cleaning, let's be honest. And she, she'll say, the house is a mess, and they'll say to her, well, we're not coming to see the house, we're coming to see you. I hope nobody tonight came to see our nice chandeliers, or our nice pews, or, or nobody came to see the good woodwork. All those things are wonderful. You came to hear a word from the Lord, and be acquainted with Him, because you came to see God because you have a relationship with God. So now Jacob is having a rekindling with God. Remember the whole chapter 34, his whole family goes off the rails. His oldest son, Simeon, and they go and they, they slaughtered the people at Shechem and the rest of the children go and plunder the city as they kill all the men. They take all the women and children, plundering this whole town. And now... Jacob is now trying to grab the reins of his family once again. Because whenever they went in, they plundered this whole town of Shechem. They took the wives and the children and the women. And they took them into the family, integrating them. But they also brought in a lot of idol worship. 
A lot of superstition and ceremonies and traditions that had nothing, do, had nothing to do with the God of the Bible. And that has now integrated into this family. About ten years later, now God calls Jacob to sanctification, calls him to the place of the house of God. And he tells him to put away the fire and gods in verse number 2. Purify yourselves and change your garments. He says prepare yourselves as now we dedicate our entire lives, our being, our family, our household to the God of the Bible. So they changed their garments. He also took in verse number Chapter 35, verse 1, he takes, all, he takes all their idols, he takes all their things, and he takes them away. The ones that Rachel had, that she used for divination, that she stole from Laban. He takes them away, and he, he, he separates them in verse number 4. So they gave all to Jacob, the foreign gods that they had, and the rings that were in their ears. See, back in scriptural times, I know earrings now are just a fashion statement. It's no big deal. But in biblical times, tattoos and earrings meant you were a slave. And when you had an earring or a gauge within your ear, that means you were a slave to a deity. So they took the earrings out of their ears saying, I don't serve Baal. I don't serve Murdoch. I don't serve Michalak, the one they offered their children to. They, they took those gauges out of their ears and threw them down, whether they're gold or precious stones, and say, I am not a slave to those gods. I serve the God of the covenant, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Bible, is what they're saying when they took their earrings out now. Now, if you have earrings, that doesn't mean that in the West. It's just a fashion statement. Whenever you were branded as a slave in the Old Testament, they would take ink or or some kind of dye, put it under your skin so you'll be marked as a slave. Or they will take you to the, 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 the doorpost of their home and pierce your ear as a slave. So now Jacob takes all their earrings and he takes all their idols and he separates them from the family. Because he will serve the Lord, as we remember in Jeremiah chapter 24, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. So Jacob being the patriarch and the leader of his household, now tells his family that they will be serving the Lord. They will be following in his footsteps. I mean, remember about two weeks ago we spoke about men leading their households, leading their families. Whether you're a single man, married man, or you're just married with your, with your wife, or you're a single father, it does not matter. You are a household and you're responsible for what goes on in that house. And believe me, if you live alone or you're part of a family or part of any part of society, you do affect other people and how you live and how you carry yourselves in the presence of God matters on this earth and it matters for an eternity. That would be a good place for an amen, but that's alright. We'll keep going. Amen. So he says, let us go and arise and go to Bethel, verse number 3. That I may make an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I go. Remember back in chapter 28, Jacob made, a, he made a, a cry out to God. He said, if you'll be with me and give me good success, I will serve you. And God certainly did walk with him, preserve him, go before him, behind him. He was a trailblazer. He was a rear guard. He kept, on, he kept his hand upon him. And he certainly did not earn it. Romans chapter 9, many times we read it. He said, Esau I hated and Jacob I loved. Certainly there was no reason for God to love Jacob. That's called grace. Amen. He should have hated Esau. He was a meathead. He was carnal. He was wicked. Should have hated Jacob too. He was a liar, deceiver. If he could have murdered Esau, he would have. 
But God kept him back with His grace. There's many times that you could have sinned far more, far more than you should have, but God kept you from sinning. And that's later on. We'll read more about that with Moses and the Pharaohs. We get further on into the, uh, into Exodus. But here, God loved Jacob and he did not merit it. God just said in His prerogative, in His, His providence, He said, I will bless Jacob. If God sat in heaven and gave everything to everybody that they deserve, we would all get hell. You don't want fair. Fair is everybody going to hell. We get grace. Amen. And on top of that, we get mercy. Where He holds back what we deserve and blesses us. That's mercy and grace. He gives us Himself. We don't deserve Him. He's the greatest treasure. And He reveals Himself to us. He sets and He talks to us. He soothes our conscience. Our sinful conscience. He doesn't tell us to get out and work and accumulate self-righteousness to save ourselves. No. Tonight, if we took a little cup... And I passed it around. I said, put all your righteousness in that cup. We'll go around and everybody put their righteousness in that cup. Then we get back and there's not enough. So we'll open the doors and we'll pass it around all the world. And everybody, all continents put all the righteousness in that little cup. Then we get it back. There's not enough righteousness in that cup to save one man's soul. Christ alone saves us. We're saved by grace and grace alone. Jacob didn't earn any of this blessing. He didn't earn any of this grace. And neither did you, congregation. So when you leave tonight, you can hang your head low and beat your breast. Or you can lift it up high to the God of heaven to say, I'm saved by grace and grace alone. And when you know you've received that kind of mercy and grace, you'll be able to give it to people around you. If you have a problem with patience tonight or putting up with stupid people, believe me, I know they're out there. If you have a problem dealing with people who get on your nerves and they just sound like a, uh, somebody scratching a chalkboard when they talk and you have, no, you have no patience with those kind of people, just step back and think about if Jesus cut out all the negative people out of His life, where would you be? When you remember the grace you've received, you can show a lot more grace to other people. I didn't mean to get all into grits and cornflakes, but that was for me too. There's people that irk me too. There's people I can smile and love, but I'm going, Ooh, boy, Jesus, help me. I, I know I'm human. I'm flesh and bone just like you. I don't go to seminary and walk out as a, a robot. I'm flesh and bone. I have a pulse just like some of y'all. I, I, I know, and I know. Let me, share, let me tell you. I know about grace too. Amen. I know about mercy. And I'm stepping on my own toes. Jacob didn't deserve this kind of grace. And I just, I relate to Jacob so much because he said, Esau, I hate it. Jacob, I love. And I just can't get over the part that he loves Jacob. Why do you love Jacob? Lord, why do you love me? Here are all my flaws. Here's the things I've done. I've profaned your holy and righteous name. I've had idols. I've not trusted in what you said. I've been unfaithful in my heart, in my mind, in the marriage bed. I've murdered people with their reputations. If I could kill them with my bare hands, I would. I've been covetous and I've been envious. I've counted other 
other people's blessings and not my own. I've dishonored my mother and my father. I've dishonored the Sabbath day. I've blasphemed your holy and righteous name. I have not loved you with all my heart, mind, soul, heart, and strength. With all my being, I have not, God, but you still love me. Every day, I give you reasons not to love me. Every morning, I give you a reason not to love me. But you're relentless. You love me. You pursue me. You show grace upon me. You lavish it upon me. You forgive me. You show mercy. You draw me to yourself. You keep me. You protect me. You give me peace of mind. When I rage against you, you show mercy to me. Oh, if it had not been for you, I would have been lost for an eternity. But you do it, God. But you. Man, that's some weak amens. Jesus saves sinners. Amen. I relate to Jacob. And I wonder if you do too. So Jacob now comes to the house of the Lord. He builds an altar there in verse number 3. That I make an altar to the Lord who answered me in the day of my distress. No, this church, He will answer you in the day of your distress. That fat Buddha at that Chinese restaurant will not answer you on the day of your distress. Let me tell you, your tarot cards will not answer you. You may think that a Ouija board is a deity, but it's a demon in the darkness that will strangle you and leave you ruined in hell for an eternity. Dabble in the dark arts. They will ruin you forever. But come to the King of kings and Lord of lords who will answer you in your day of distress. He says, The God who answers me, who has been me wherever I go, surely congregation tonight... You can relate to Jacob. I didn't say Jacob was perfect. <laughs> we see where Jacob has swindled and lied. He has not been the model Christian. If he was part of a local church, they probably would have kicked him out. Let's be honest. You sure wouldn't want a preacher like Jacob. Well, <laughs> surprise, you got one. That God showed grace on Jacob and mercy on him. Verse 4, so they gave all to Jacob the foreign gods they had and all the rings in their ears and he hid them under the tree that was near Shechem. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that are around them. So they did not get pursued by the sons. They did not pursue the sons of Jacob. In verse number 5, we see the, the sovereignty of God. Jacob should have been wiped out, wiped off the map. His sons had started war. These people were quiet, timid shepherds. And now they showed themselves as men of war as they wiped out Shechem. But God's hand was on Jacob. And he caused terror to be in the region. That people quaked. That there was a holy terror on the people. And that's how he protected his man. That goes to show you the scripture that says, If God is for you, who can be against you? Amen. Let the world rage against me personally or his church. Let society brand us whatever they want. Say what you want in the media, the newspapers, the website. Say whatever you want to about us. But it only matters what God says about us. His hands are on you, church. Serve Him and Him alone. Jacob is living out what he said just a verse before, that he's with me wherever I have gone. Now, in verse number 5, they journeyed into terror from, the God, from God, fell on all the cities around and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And then Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, the house of God, which is in the land of Cana, 
and he all the people with him. Notice where Jacob went, his family follows. Men, where you go, your family will follow. Whether you're a grandpa, grandma, well, no, you're not a grandma. I don't know in this society. But you are men, wherever you go, your family will follow. Men, wherever you go, your family will follow. And where the family goes, the nations go. Men, if you find yourself playing games on your time off, in a deer stand and not having time for God, finding yourself chasing a little white God across the green, finding yourself worshiping anywhere and anything or anybody, your family will follow in suit. Whether you have children or not, you influence someone. Where Jacob goes, his family follows. And now, we see that Jacob sets up an altar. He returns to his roots. He remembers that God was faithful to him. Now does that mean whenever you return to church or return to your first love like Scripture tells us in Revelation, when you fall back in love with Jesus, does that mean you'll never have problems again? That everything will be butter and burritos? Dollar bills and free money for love for all. Is that what it means? That you'll never have any more problems? Your car won't make that funny noise anymore? You won't smell funny anymore? You won't have dandruff? Nobody won't say, well, you got bad breath. You don't have to brush your teeth anymore. You'll lose weight just like that. When you come to Jesus, you won't have any more problems. No, that's not what it says at all. It says here now that Jacob comes. He establishes family. He built an altar there at Bethel. Because their God had revealed Himself to him when he fled from his brother. He established his family, a place of worship. Gather around children, here's where we worship. Let me explain to you who this God is who kept me and preserved me. He walked with me everywhere I went. He kept His hand upon me. He made me brave when I was weak. He made me courageous when I was faltering. This God who, God who brought me peace with my enemies. This God gathered around this altar. At this place of worship, in that verse, the very next verse, we see a time of mourning. The Christian is not immune to the, the strife of this world. Christians are not immune. You're not, you're not people who walk around and say, I love Jesus, and you never cry over anything. You're not people who, who don't feel pain or you not have yourself pricked and bled. You're not immune to heartbreak. You're not immune to betrayal. Those are cult-like people I don't have anything to do with. If you see somebody who's so holy and heavenly-minded that they can't shed a tear over the lost, they're not really Christians anyway. If you can't sit and weep with someone because their marriage is on the rocks, because they're too holy, they're not really Christians. People are not immune to real life when you come to Jesus. Here Jacob has established the altar. His children have learned to worship the God of Scripture. In the very next verse, Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died. And she was buried in the oak below Bethel. And they called its name the Oak of Weeping. Deborah being Rebecca's nurse, she was someone in the family that was a grandmother-like person, a patriarch, someone older that the children could come to like a nanny, that she raised the children up from her feet up to her knees and 
told them the stories of what she had seen in her life, of the faithfulness of God. And now mourning is on this house, even though the verse before, they built an altar to God. So this tells me, even if you come to Riverside or any other church, and you go there, you love Jesus, and you worship God, that you're going to face real life anyway. And if you're going to a church where the preacher says, come to Jesus and you'll never be broke, you better run. If you can come to Jesus and you'll never get sick, you better run fast. You come to Jesus and you'll never have any problems, you better double run. Hot scotch, run on out the door. I'm here to tell you, you will face trouble. Even Jesus said, in this life you will face many tribulations. Just because you come to Jesus don't mean you won't have problems. But I can tell you one problem that won't be sin because you'll throw those things down and trust in Him. It's that famous song, got 99 problems, but sin ain't one. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. But here, Rebecca's nurse, Deborah, has died. And now they're mourning. They're weeping. She was a patriarch. She was part of this family. I don't want you to just read this. I want you to feel this. There's a reason they call it the oak of weeping. They wept around that tree for a loved one. At this moment, if Jacob stays in the Old Testament, he knows about the promises of God. He remembers back in Genesis 3, verse 15 and 16. I'm sure it was passed down generation to generation that there's going to be a time when everything's reconciled. That for good, goodbyes won't be forever. They'll be just for a little while. Like right now, we're going to put Miss Joyce, her body in the ground. But he's on this side of Calvary, Jacob. And he has to look forward to Calvary. We look back and know because of what Jesus did, it's not a forever goodbye. But Jacob is looking forward. And I'm sure his heart is wobbling right now. He's probably thinking, God, I've gone all this far. I've built an altar. I've brought my children around. I've kept my promises and my vows. And now this woman is taken from my family. God, are you mad at me? What's the deal? Why, why am I facing this now? God, it sure is a good time to come and encourage Jacob. And God does. At the tree of weeping. At a place of great loss. Jacob is there. He loved Deborah. Part of his life. Now, in verse number 9, God appeared to Jacob again. Why would God appear to Jacob? What has Jacob merited that Esau has it? Or the guy down the street? What about Jacob? I don't know, and I can't tell you. Just like I can't tell you, what about me? I can't stay here and walk around the front and show off and say God really did a good thing when he saved me. It really puffed up his resume. I, I tell you that God really did an awesome thing when he saved me. There's no such thing as an arrogant Christian. Amen. Someone who says, man God he really hit the jackpot when he saved me. On the day of deity, if there was a, a deity day when there's a draft and all the gods showed up, Zeus and Jupiter and, and Krishna and Allah and all these gods came out and they had a draft for the human race. All these gods, the god of Joseph Smith, Elon and all those gods, they would come around and pick the best of humanity. But only Jesus Christ would take the worst because He said, I come to save sinners. Amen. So rest assured tonight, 
I don't ever have to worry about it here at Riverside. There's not much arrogance here, if any. There's no one proud. There's no one leaning against the old rugged cross saying, yeah, i got to get some of this stuff, this good stuff. No, no. There are only people around the old rugged cross sobbing, saying, He saved a wretch like me. He washed me even though my sin was like scarlet. There was nothing special about me. No redeeming qualities. I had no righteousness of my own to supply for my salvation. He supplied it for me. He dressed me for the marriage supper of the Lamb. He clothed me and wrapped me in righteousness. He redeemed me. I had nothing to do with this except for the sin that attributed for my salvation. So I don't know why God spoke to Jacob. I don't know. But you know what? I, 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 I lavish it. I, 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 I love it. I drink it up because He has shown me that kind of grace. Amen. God appeared to Jacob when He had come from Pandorama and blessed him. Remember, Jacob's heart is broken. Deborah is now in the ground at the oak of weeping and God shows up right on time. There might be a time you call preacher. It might go to voicemail. You might text me and I might not be able to text you right back. There might be a time where you need to talk to somebody. And if there's not a person around, who's going to help you? And I know I'm preaching a little bit about Sunday. We're talking about that on Sunday. So really bring somebody with you. It's going to be good, I can guarantee you. But you can't reach someone. You can't speak to a friend. You can't, you can't reach the church or the Sunday school teacher. You, you just need help. And you need somebody to bless you and help you. And it was just at this exact moment, Jacob is pretty low. God appeared to him and he blessed him. Now, I've done some research on how do you bless somebody. Well, blessing entails of someone greater helping someone less. Blessing. That is, that's how it works. Someone greater helping or encouraging. Bestowing mercies upon someone who was less. So in this, in this verse, we see that it is God reaching down to Jacob in some type of way. And this is how God blessed Jacob. He reintitionalized his covenant to Jacob. He reminded Jacob of the promise he made to Abraham and told him that the promise still stands. That's how he blesses Jacob. Tonight, I want you to be blessed. Well, how? Am I going to get goosebumps? and get a shiver down my spine? Because that's what we think about. when well, I feel blessed, blessed, blessed. We just throw it around like it's nothing. How can God bless you tonight? You know, that's part of Christianese. Bless you, brother. We just say it. We don't even know what it means. The way you get blessed tonight is God reminds you of His covenant with you. He blessed Jacob. How does that work? He told him the promises he made. See, Jacob looked forward to the day when all things will be reconciled. Jacob went forward on promises like in Hebrews chapter 11 that Abraham walked with faith, that he knew that someone will come from his DNA that will be born, that will reconcile all things to please God and wipe away his sins. That Abraham looked. He looked with faith. That Jacob, he looked. He looked with faith. All of Jacob's sons, they were waiting 
Was it Joseph? No, it wasn't Joseph. Was it one of the prophets? Was it Habakkuk, Daniel, Isaiah, or Ezekiel? No. It was Jesus. Amen. They were looking forward to Jesus. Jacob was being blessed by God because God was reiterating the covenant. Jacob, this is what I'm going to do. Jacob, this is what I'm going to do. Tonight, this is how I'm going to let you walk out with a blessing. I know i got three minutes and I think I can do it. Now, I ain't doing it at all, God is. Here's how, here's how God's going to bless you. Let Him remind you, as Jacob looked forward, I want you to look back. Look back to Golgotha, what he did. This is your blessing. While you were yet sinners, you were at your worst. Not you right now. Everybody looks good tonight. Got haircuts, looking all good, shaved, looking good. Some of you. You look good. Your clothes are all fresh. Everybody's in the right mind. You're sitting here. You ain't got no problems, it looks like. Everybody's sitting here. You're doing good. But Jesus didn't die for you in this state right now while you were at your worst. You were at your addicted state, your ruined state. When you have no peace of mind, torment within your soul, while you are at your worst, Jesus died for you. That's your blessing. So what is your qualifications to get into heaven? If we all lined up outside and we ran to the end of the road and back and the first one back gets to go to heaven free, we roll around out of the door. I'll, I'll try my best to try to trip y'all and try to get to the end of the road because I ain't going to outrun you. But I'll, I'll get to the end of the road and back. But I'm going to try to earn my salvation, but that's not how it works. Jesus says, come. Come to me. The champion of hell, you've heard me say, is not the Pharisee with all his laws and his legalism. It is a Pharisee. I don't know. I got mixed up. It is the, it, that's the champion of hell with his laws and, and his legalism. That's the champion of hell. Tonight, we don't use our laws and legalism to earn our salvation. You heard me preach Sunday, repent of your righteousness, believing that you're good enough to go to heaven. That's not how it works. Tonight, we come with our sins and say, God, will you bless me even though I don't deserve it? Will you bless me even though I smell like smoke? Will you bless me with even those places I've been on my web browser that you know about? Will you bless me even though I spend more time on my phone than reading your word? Do you, will you bless me even though I have uh, uh, un untapped bitterness and anger within my heart and I can't forgive? Will you help me, help me and show grace towards me? Father, here I have all my sins. And tonight, congregation, those who are here, those sins that you have, leave them here tonight. For the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, is how far He'll separate you from your sins. That you don't have to walk out the door anymore chained. You don't have to walk out the same person you are when you walked in. That He forgives sinners. And you know why He forgives sinners? <laughs> because that's all there are. Amen. Tell you what, that's good to somebody like me. Amen. I'm not a person who needs second chances and third chances. I don't know how many chance numbers I'm on now. But He forgives sinners like me. Amen. And if God can wash away my sins, I assure you He can wash away yours. There's no sin too great for Him to wash away. If you walk to Him, He doesn't look and say, Woohoo! Woo! Let me check in the back and make sure we got something to wash that off. No, that's not how it works. The blood that flows from His veins washes the most worst things. Amen. Let us pray. Father, Thank you tonight for the story of Jacob. I am thankful that he did not earn your salvation. I'm thankful, dear Lord, that you came to him. 
as we read in Matthew chapter 19, that you leave the 99 to find that one. I'm thankful because I'm that one. I got caught up in briars. I got caught away from the herd. I got, I got stuck where I am. I'm off the trail, out in the weeds. And Lord, you came and found me. And Lord, that's my blessing tonight. You reminded Jacob of the covenant. You reminded Jacob that from his DNA, one will come who will reconcile God and man, who will redeem us and set us in right standing with God, who will justify us and clean us, washing away our guilty conscience and washing away our sins. And now we're on the other side of Calvary and we can look back. But we still need to be reminded and walk away with a blessing tonight. A blessing that's far greater than mountains of money and a lifetime of perfect health. A blessing greater than infinite power and wisdom. Lord, that we can walk away knowing that our God redeemed us not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ that was shed for people like me. So, Father, let us walk away with a blessing tonight to remember the covenant of God, how He saved us from Himself to Himself, all by Himself. In Your most precious name we pray. Amen.